races Cause on the 9th of June 1862 On a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberg's And she was heavy laden The way we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, episode 102. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. You can follow me on Twitter at NUFC underscore Greg. And tonight will not be the night to introduce the best damn host in the land, Elijah Newsom. He is probably very intoxicated at this current moment of recording uh, at a nice company outing, a nice holiday party. So it would just be yours truly, Greg Troxell, taking over the reins tonight. Um, and we have some things to talk about. Uh, we're on a win streak. We're about to play Burnley. All is all is seeming great in the world. So uh, as the common Newcastle supporter, you have to wonder, this can't last forever. <laughs> so that's at least how we all think, um, or at least how most of us think. But hopefully it does keep going on and we get to keep celebrating and enjoying life winning because it's something that we wouldn't mind. Um, so tonight's show will be shorter. Um, obviously there's less banter between the two of us because there will be none. Um, so we're going to go over some club news and then we'll do the Burnley recap for you. And then we have a question and then we're out. So, uh, first bit of news that I want to get to is St. Gucci Max. Um, this was, this is, I guess one of the toughest things and Elijah and I, cover this in previous podcasts that when you have matches back-to-back like we've been having, there's a significant need for rotation. Now, I'm not saying that we take St. Max out of the squad or Almiron out of the squad entirely, but yeah, shorter shifts wouldn't hurt. Um, and last night, I mean, last night, last match in, in the later stages of the match, St. Max pulled up and uh, had to come out or was injured. So it, it turns out it seems to be a pretty significant hamstring in, injury, and they're saying that Alan St. Maximon will be out a month. Um, so that's a month is could be about seven matches uh, because they're all we have so many matches crammed together uh, with FA Cup coming up too. Uh, it could be as much as that. Um, we're, he's going to miss Manchester United. He's going to miss our our rematch against Leicester City. He's going to miss the FA Cup tie. Uh, this is a pretty significant injury because in the in the style of, of play that we've had, we've been forced... He's been our catalyst as far as counterattacking him and Miguel Amaran have. So when you lose that threat, um, it, it, our, our counterattack naturally becomes less successful. Uh, and he's such a, a bold player to where he'll go at players. I don't think we have another player on the squad that will actually take on defenders like St. Max has. I actually don't think we've had a player like that since maybe Hayden Benarfa. You could argue Wijnaldum did it from time to time, only in at-home matches, though. Um, so, yeah, so this is a this is a big deal. Uh, it's it, They had a scan on Tuesday. Uh, they said it, it won't be till at least mid-January, and um, could be... Could be a little bit longer, but let's hope for a mid-January return. 
or St. Gucci Max. Um, so in the next step is like, who do we replace him with? I, my guess, so what I would really like is to move Almiron to the left. That's his natural position. We've been begging for it. Uh, let's let's get that going on right now. Almiron's only assist came from the left. So let's, let's get him doing that. Um, if we saw how effective he was last year. Um, at the end of the um, at the end of the Premier League season, how effective he was. So imagine him playing that again. It it, it probably wouldn't suck. And then thinking of who would replace Saint Gucci Max, I'm thinking Atsu. Um, it would be also pretty fun to have Matt Ritchie back. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon though. But so I'm going to go with Atsu for now. Uh, they, there's possibility we could throw in like another center mid, but that then we'd have to get into changing formations and those type of things, which I don't really want us to do. So let's avoid that, I guess. So let's put Atsu on the right, Miggy on the left, maybe start Andy Carroll, play him 60 minutes and see if Jolinton can get one after that. So that's, that's I guess, my best bet. Um, next set of news. Jetro, the Dutch destroyer Willems. Ladies and gentlemen, it is reported. It's not done yet. I haven't seen a club announcement, unless I'm blind, but it's reported that Newcastle have paid the fee to make Jetro a permanent transfer. Um, and that's huge. They're saying, and I've seen anywhere from 9 mil to 11 mil as being the final fee, but this guy is like our unsung hero. Like, we, St. Gucci Max is getting a ton of praise. Um, the, all of our defenders are, including, I mean, Jetro has gotten a lot of praise this year. But it's amazing what he's done off the ball uh, for for our offense, for our defense. He's he's integral. Like the what his movements off the ball, creating space just by his his runs. It's incredible. Like he's he's really good. He's really good. I could see why it worked out for him <laughs> uh, in this style too. So it, it and he he doesn't mind scoring a banger every once in a while, ladies and gents. So that's great. Uh, hopefully the rumors are true. I, pretty much everybody's reporting it now that it's a done deal. I'm seeing like a, the Shields Gazette. I'm looking at that right now. It says 11 million euro fee. Um, but the fact, the only thing I care about is that it's done. So there's that. Um, Jetro being in our squad for long term can only be good for us. There's also another interesting thing. That we would we would have put this on the BS meter, but um, Elijah's not here, so we are going to talk about Lee Boyer, who has dismissed talk of a move to Newcastle. Um, Lee Boyer is uh, the manager of Charlton Athletic, and he's kind of talked it down uh, for Macaulay Bone Bon Bonne B O N N E. I to be honest, I know nothing about him. Um, and if we're, if we're bringing in, I mean, I'm, oh, I don't know, this is tough. We get linked with these championship and like very high promise league one players. And I'm like, like we, we just, we need a first team striker. So Jolinton, I mean, it's fine to have two informed first team strikers. Andy Carroll's kind of a, I wouldn't count him as one. Like Andy Carroll's good, but he's. He's back here to end his career. So we have Jolinton, and then we need to get another. Dwight Gale is not good enough. 
um, and Andy Carroll is just winding down his career at home. And Andy Carroll will be able to make differences in matches, but I think we, we definitely need one more. And we need to find somebody who's not at a club like Charlton Athletic. We need to find somebody that's in, I would take a striker in France, just like a top league doing well, like a $10 million striker would be clutch. And we put those two together, and I'd be interested to find out what's going on there. We were also linked to Hall City striker because of the Steve Bruce connection. And uh, I doubt we can do any business with Sheffield Wednesday with how that all went down when Bruce came in Newcastle. So uh, still a lot to to track on that basis. But we are about a little over two weeks away from the transfer window opening. So it's going to be an interesting January, especially like where do where are we going to find ourselves in the table? Right now it's looking great. But if we're still 10th, if we're higher than 10th, and we've done really well here, like what? how aggressive is Mike actually going to let us be? I mean, it's completely plausible that he's just going to say, well, we're doing great right now. I'm going to make a lot of money this year. So let's just like make some low money signings, maybe move them to the youth team. And then we'll just coast out this wonderful finish that we're about to have. Um, that's, that's not hard for me to come to that conclusion. What we would like obviously is a little bit more investment. I'd like to see another center mid, uh, get some depth in that position. And I'd like to see another striker. And I wouldn't mind seeing, other wingers too. We don't have to spend a lot of money. We're not. It's not like we're replacing Saint Gucci Max or Almiron, but yeah, we can give him a break every once in a while with a competent winger. Matt Ritchie's good. Atsu, he can flash from time to time, but uh, let's be honest, we can definitely afford to have better players there. So I'm interested to see how that all pans out. The last thing I want to talk about for Newcastle is the seats debacle. The the half-season tickets that are completely free. So there's two sides to this story. So And, and if you're not caught up, I'll, I'll explain it from the standpoint. So in order to, I guess, to incentivize the people that have been coming or maybe just reward the people that have been showing up to the matches at St. James's Park, Newcastle United are giving each season ticket holder one free half-season ticket for the rest of this year. So you're going to be able to get some good home games. You're going to get half of the season of home games, and it's going to be completely free to those season ticket holders that have been there. So there's mixed reactions. Uh, there's some season ticket holders, like there's one that I read. Uh, he can only afford one two seats total for him and his son. He has two sons, so they just split off matches. So now he's going to get the other season ticket, so that way both of his sons can come to every match. That's incredible like that's what a cool thing for them as a family to be able to experience that together there's some that are like some people are like i think this is cheap like i wish it would have discounted my ticket instead of just giving me an extra one i don't have any extra people that want to go all my friends are boycotting so this is a joke and then there's those season ticket holders that have canceled and boy are boycotting the club and have had season tickets for 20 some years and then they're just like giving away free half seasons. It's like a kind of like a slap in the face. But the one thing that I'm real proud of about Newcastle supporters, one, it's shocking just in its own right that we're able, like this low attendance is happening because three years ago, you would have never even suggested that people wouldn't show up to a Newcastle United match. It's everything. 
Um, we also we all know we all know the loyalty and just the there's there's something different about supporting Newcastle United versus all the other clubs. Something extremely different. So to see the stadium as it is, ten thousand short, it's shocking. Even even we've seen a lot of matches this year. It's still shocking to look at. So now we're in the situation where I think it's a, a little ploy. It's definitely a ploy to get more marketing, more advertising going, more people in the seats. It makes it look better. But what I'm also proud of is that fans haven't taken the bait. There's the people that are there that are taking advantage of the tickets, the free tickets. Why wouldn't you? You're already going. Like what? You get offered a free half season. Why wouldn't you just take it, right? But the the people that have boycotted are staying strong. So like, <laughs> like they try. They're the club. Mike Ashley, Lee Charlie. They're trying to scheme these fans, and it's it's a positive gesture for sure. Because you are helping out fans, and there's a, plenty of supporters that can't afford an extra seat, and now they're going to be able to get to enjoy that with friends and family who they would love to come to the games with. But what it fails to do, what this gesture fails to do, is it fails to get to the real reason why Newcastle supporters are boycotting the match, and that's Mike Ashley. And fans have realized that. I've seen some groups like already say that they've won, and to keep it up, keep boycotting, and I think this is the first semblance of the club saying, okay, this is a problem. So I'm I'm really, like, I'm not saying that we're going to get a takeover. Jeez, I don't even know if we can handle a takeover rumor. But, like, the, like what we're doing is working. I, I know it's, it's tough, especially I know a lot of our listeners are international listeners from all over the world not in England, and we have a lot of listeners in England as well, but whatever you in England are doing, you specifically in Newcastle are doing, is working. It's tough for us. It's tough for us to act. I mean, most of our games, they're not on national TV. We have to stream them <laughs> legally anyway, so it's like, no matter what, we're not helping anything. But for you to make that sort of impact and to sacrifice a lot, it it's working. It's slowly working. So... For those that have chose to boycott, keep boycotting. And for those fans that are there, enjoy those free tickets because as, as much as people hate them, it's not like they're getting more revenue to Mike Ashley. It's a free ticket. So if you're already there, might as well take advantage of it. You're not like giving more money. There's no like gotcha clause where you have to buy a season an extra ticket next year or something. It's literally just a free half season ticket. So that's my thoughts on that. I, I, we said it short last, last uh, podcast earlier this week where, where I said, you know, whatever you're doing, just continue to do it. Um, that's just kind of more of an elaboration on that and into what I thought. It's pretty interesting. I, and I honestly just never thought I'd see the day where St. James's Park isn't full. And I thought that if I did see the day, it would be a sad day, but it's, we're, for me, I support the reason why we're doing it. So it's kind of encouraging that, showing that the fans are kind of getting together and trying to make a difference. So um, there's definitely going to be drama when it comes to Newcastle United, and this is now our drama. So cool. Well, that that's all the club news for now. Um, we're about to take a break and get into Burnley. The next thing, this 
real quick want to cover. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Coming Home NUFC. That's our main site, and then our podcast at CHN underscore radio on Twitter. And give Elijah Newsom a follow too. Elijah underscore Newsom. Um, one another thing too, what really helps, uh, we are on pretty much every platform that you can listen to podcasts. And every time, if you're a new listener and you haven't rated us five stars on Apple Podcasts, you don't even have to be listening on Apple Podcasts. But that is the most listened to platform. And every time we get a five star, it increases the exposure of this podcast to more and more supporters around the world. So if you guys could really help us out and do that, we did a giveaway when we hit um, our last target. We are planning to do more of those. So the more five star reviews we get, the more giveaways that will be given out to our wonderful listeners. So please help us out with that. But without further ado, we're going to move forward to previewing our match against Burnley. And we will do that right after this break. All right, CHN Radio listeners, let's go again. Let's try to get another dub. Newcastle United at Burnley this Saturday, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. And that means it's, what, 3 p.m. in England? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so this is going to be interesting. We So <laughs> looking at the Premier League table, there isn't a lot to separate us. So we're on 22 points through 16 matches. They're on 18. So we have a little four-point cushion there. The one thing that we have on them, Burnley's in a little bit of a slide. So in their last three matches... They've lost to Crystal Palace 2-0, lost to Manchester City 4-1, and lost to Spurs 5-0. So they're a little, little bat- battered, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Where we've drawn our last three, we drew Man City, we beat uh, Sheffield 2-0, and beat Southampton 2-1. So um, definitely two different trajectories recently between the two clubs, but Burnley's in 13th, we're in 11th. This is a big opportunity for us. We're tied on points with Crystal Palace, Arsenal, and Sheffield United, um, and we're in we're in 11th place currently. But a win could, and I'm saying just could, put us as high as fifth. So this is a big opportunity for us. I can't believe I'm still saying this in December. This is nuts. Uh, but yeah, we're only two points from fifth place, which is Manchester United. Um, so let's hope all the results go in our favor. I don't even know. Actually, I think if Wolves and Spurs play each other, I think that's it inside like the top 11. So, yeah, so there, it is possible if Wolves and Spurs draw that we could... Okay, we would be in six because if Wolves and Spurs drawed, we'd get... Um, Tied on points for fifth, but sixth with goal difference. So, yeah, still still incredible to think about that that's, this is on the table in December right now. Uh, we're getting towards the halfway point of the season. Um, we're very close, so it's, it's just it's a lot of fun to talk about. So, going to lineups now, what do we think is going to happen? Uh, well, actually, we'll do injuries first. So, Johan Gudmundsen of Burnley is out. Um there, there's a lot of injury concerns for Burnley right now, and they're going to have to do a lot of fitness tests before this one. So Dyche was saying in his press conference, um, he's hoping for Ashley Barnes, Ashley Westwood, and Charlie Taylor to be available. 
but right now it's kind of just a game time decision situation. Other doubtful players are Phil Bardsley and Kevin Long. So a lot, a lot going out for Burnley. So we finally met our match with another team that's probably about as injured as we are. Um, on us, we have Jamal Lascelles is out. Matt Ritchie is out. Um, St. Gucci Max is out. Uh, Florian Lejeune, not too sure. I'm going to say he's doubtful. Um, DeAndre Yedlin is doubtful. Kieran Clark is doubtful. So uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of questions with our lineup as well. So what I'm going with, I'm going to say that we stay in the, in the same formation. And I'm going to go uh, Dubrovka, obviously. And then our, our, our back five, I'm going to have Will, Willems and Manquillo. Atletico Madrid's Javier Manquillo. And then they'll, they'll be the wing backs. And then I'll probably guess like Fernandez, Cher, and Dummett in the middle. For our midfield, I'm going to go Hayden and Shelby once again. And then I'm hoping for... Almiron on the left and Atsu on the right. Um, I'm willing to. I mean, let's let's just do that. But if Atsu can't play on the right, then I guess we have to have Almiron there. So hopefully Almiron gets to play in his his natural position. And then I, I'm going to say that we put Jolinton up top. I would like to see Andy Carroll again. It just depends on his fitness. We know he can't run like he used to and he hasn't been able to for some years but I would love to have him start and then Jolinton finish uh, rather than vice versa um, I would rather see a younger more like a player that's more willing to claw and fight his way back come in as a with the final 30 minutes with something to prove but we'll see how they do that striker situation so that's where I'm going it's not very it's not a very rotated side but um, there are some issues there some things to look out for. If we are trying to give Shelby or Hayden a break, which I, I think they've had a good bit of rest, but uh, I'm going to campaign for one of the long staffs to get in there. So I, I, I would want Sean. So hopefully that happens. And we'll still be able to do like a 3-4-2-1 type of lineup, counterattacking. Atsu has a lot of pace to him. And he'll definitely almost score if he gets in. So congrats to almost scoring that too. That's fantastic for you. But uh, it, it, the the focus on the counterattack, all the defenders are going to be finding where where is Almiron. That's going to be their focus for any of our counterattacking threats for Burnley. So uh, I I think Atsu is going to have to play a big role if if he is in fact going to start this match. For so going into more detail, what what does Newcastle United have to do to win this match? And I'm going with, they have to stay, they have to keep the main thing the main thing. And, it, and it's it's simple. You have to bunker and counter. That's, that's what we have to do to win. Burnley is not a creative, so they're going to try to long ball us. And our back line is good enough. to like The only way you're going to be able to beat us, if we're completely 100% focused, and we're, we're filling up all of our holes, the only teams that can beat us are teams that can cut us to pieces. So get running in the gaps, finding the spaces, and then ticky-tocking our way through us. That's the only thing. If, if we're 100% focused, Burnley should not be able to long ball past us. 
Um, so I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm going to put a lot of solace on Dummett, Fernandez, and Cher. Cher had a big mistake, but he hadn't played in a while. So maybe he's, um, he's back in form now. He's gotten his run out. So, uh, I I, uh, I have to say that that's the way to go um, for Newcastle. So pretty interesting thing here. In uh, on who scored? Who scored lists like the the top informed players in in all these leagues? We have four players right now that are in top twenty in their positions of being informed. Um, so currently, like the best informed players, and it's Dubravka. And then Fernandez, he's been incredible. Miguel Almiron and John Joe Shelby, obviously. So, and and when you think about our game plan, though, like it, it's it it last few weeks, it's been Dubrovka making key saves, Fernandez playing out of his mind, Almiron doing he plays from end line to end line. I mean, the guy's incredible. And then Shelby putting in goals. So just like we always, just like we drew it up. So though that's going to be what we need to play through those players. Those four players are going to be the key to us getting three points here. Um, I think it's possible with this going up against this opponent. It, it I don't want this to turn into what we did at Aston Villa. So I want us to stick to our game plan, stay focused, and then come back with three points. So I think Newcastle will steal the ball often just because of us bunkering. Um, it's Burnley's probably going to come out in a 4-4-2 with Wood and Rodriguez at the top. So I think think we match up well in this situation. If we have St. Gucci Max, I'm I'm pretty confident that we could win. Uh, But without him, it is significant. So it's it's going to be a lot closer match, I think. And Burnley's going to get some opportunities. They're, They're very creative. And 13th isn't a bad place for them. They have lost three straight matches. And they've lost. I think. I think they've won two out of their last six. So, um, not the best, but um, I think there's an opportunity here for them. So, players to watch for Burnley. It's going to be on the, I guess, the defensive side the most. It's it's Tarkowski. Um, he's our center back, James Tarkowski. He, he's he's been pretty solid pretty much every year. He's been in the Premier League, uh, pretty difficult defender. He has enough pace. He's able to, to stop a lot of attacks, and um, he's gotten good experience, especially recently, even though not good. He hasn't been good in the last couple of matches, so hopefully that happens. But he also has played Man City and Spurs. But he, he I mean, Sun destroyed him. Sun filleted him. So I'm hoping something like that happens again, where, like, He's just too confused by the pace of Almiron and Atsu, and hopefully it just takes advantage of him. Another player to look out for for Burnley is Dwight Dwight McNeil. Uh, he's pretty dang good. He leads the team in assists. He's always looking for he, – he can do the final pass. What we lack getting into the box, McNeil can do. So something to watch out there. And then for um, – as far as goals go, Ashley Barnes might not play. But then outside of Barnes, if it's Wood and Rodriguez, Chris Wood can score. He has six goals, which would lead Newcastle United. Um, so he's their number nine. Um, he's from New Zealand, I think. I'm pretty sure he's New Zealand. So he's very good in the air. He's he's always looking for like a good through ball. He does flick-ons and short passes and 
He's kind of a, a dirty worker, workman type player. He gets called off sides a lot, and I expect that to happen uh, this weekend. But I think if I would put Fernandez to just absolutely give Chris Wood, Chris Wood the worst day of his life. So that that's what I'm looking for there. But Tarkowski, McNeil, and Wood are my players to watch out for for Burnley. I think that that will be if if we can contain them, I see it as a as a something we can get some points off of. So Newcastle at Burnley. What are we thinking? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to stats first. Um, the last couple times that we've been to Turf Moor were so since we've been back to the Premier League from our relegation, uh, we lost one nothing in the 2017-18 season, and we won two to one last season. It was an own goal from Billy Mee, and it was a, a header by Kieran Clark. So Clark always just coming through there. Um, so on 538, 538 is a site that we always lose, uh, use to project how the end of the season is going to look, but they also pick the projections for upcoming matches and, and how they're going to pan out. So for Newcastle first Burnley, this is actually an interesting one. So they have a 51% chance that Burnley will beat Newcastle. That's very high. That's extremely high. Um, there's only one, two, three. There's only four. There's five other matches that are higher percentage. Manchester United beating Everton. Leicester beating Norwich. Man City beating Arsenal. Chelsea beating Bournemouth. And Liverpool beating Watford. Those are the only ones that are higher than Burnley beating Newcastle. So pretty crazy to think about that it's that high. I did not expect to see this. I thought it would be closer to 50-50. So... 51% chance that Burnley wins, a 26% chance that we draw, and a 23% chance that Newcastle wins. So they're saying it's more likely that Newcastle United will get a draw than they will win, um, which I'm very surprised of. But it is tough to play Burnley. I feel like it's like a soulless ground almost. Like, uh, I just, like, their color scheme annoys me. It's like, uh, I just don't, like, there, there's no hatred that I have towards Burnley. They're just boring and like it's ugly i feel like it's never sunny there it's always like rainy and misty and miserable so it's like how can you like that and turf moor is a terrible name it's like come on what is this trash burnley's trash um yeah and like i don't even know i want to know does anyone know of any burnley supporters in the united states They're, they have to be the most boring club in the world that's what i'm going with <laughs> Like, we should maybe, I'm doing this when Elijah's not here, of course, but we should definitely do a trash talk segment where we just trash talk the other team and make fun of them. And we should have kicked it off against Burnley because it's just so easy to make fun of them. They're just, like, ugly. And, like, look at their their crest looks like something from Tetris or, like, a, well, I don't want to disrespect Tetris. Just from a just terribly produced video game. That's what their crest looks like. So dumb. What a irrelevant club. So we better beat them. <laughs> so going to predictions, I'm, I'm guys, I don't know what to do here. I'm really stuck. So the last two matches, I predicted that we would lose one nothing, And we've won both matches. So that's great. And I'm, I'm stuck in this conundrum of should I continue to do this or should I actually realistically pick? So when I picked that we would lose to Sheffield 1-0, and that was a realistic pick. 
last week was not realistic, um, but I still stayed with it. So here, here I, I'm just going to be realistic. We're going to say that we're not superstitious here on CHN Radio. So Burnley have lost three in a row, and they've conceded nine goals in their last two matches. Albeit, it was Spurs and it was Man City, but they still conceded nine in the last two. And Newcastle's obviously in incredible form. They're feeling great. They're looking great. And we've scored 14 points in the last 21 possible, and we're two points from fifth place, as I mentioned earlier. And we've also failed to win these games. Like, these mid-table matches on the road just... Have, have killed us so I and like I feel like whenever we play Burnley it's an awful match it's ugly it's you know just like like the last one was an own goal and some trash after that but I'm I'm really I'm still feeling positive if if St. Gucci Max was going to be in this match I would say Newcastle to Burnley no, nothing but because we're we're losing him, I think it's going to take just an absolute scrap out to get three points. I'm a little concerned why 538 has such a high percentage that Burnley's going to win. Maybe they just don't believe or the stats don't believe in Newcastle yet because of how many defensive goals that we've scored. But I, I think we're going to get another one here. So I think Newcastle United is going to win this match one to nothing. And I think the goal scorer is going to be Fetty Fernandez. I think he's going to do it on a header or a set piece, and it's going to be late. I think it's going to be like an 88th minute, like, holy crap, are we about to win again? And did we just get another goal from a defender? I think it's going to be one of those type of matches. And it's going to be boring, and both teams are going to want to sit back. And Burnley's going to want to play the long ball, and we're going to have some flashes of pace. But it's going to be, like, this is, we people made fun of, like, our possession stats, but what's really funny is they're going to make fun of how boring this game is. That's just how I see it rolling out. Um, but I do believe still that Newcastle will get the win today. Or not today. But if they played today, they'd win. And also the win on Saturday. So that concludes our recap. So now we're going to take a quick break. And we will move to your questions right after this. CHN Radio Questions. If you want to submit a question, and you can you can ask questions, you can ask us about literally anything. Um, but this is a Newcastle podcast, so the more Newcastle questions, the better. But if you don't want to ask a Newcastle question, we won't stop you. We'll listen to anything. So uh, this we ha- we have one question this week, and it's from Marcus O'Malley at Chasing a Cup. Uh, looks like we got some U.S. representation here, Marcus. Um, so appreciate that. Thanks for following. Thanks for asking the question. Uh, so Marcus asks, how would you rate the back line against the rest of the league? This is a great question. So one, one of the things that like how the, the first question that, or the first thing we need to suss out is how are we rating back lines? Is if it, is it goals against, is it like, all-encompassing goals against and goals for, because I wouldn't, I mean, that's kind of a, an iffy thing this to track. But, like, what? how are we going to stat it? So let, let's just talk about defense first. I think that's the, the best thing to go about. So 
right now, Newcastle has given up 23 goals. You take away Leicester, which I think is fair in that situation, and we've given up 18. Um, 18 goals is better than Man City. It's better than Chelsea. It's better than Man United. It's better than Wolves. It's better than Spurs. It's better than Arsenal. Tied with Crystal Palace. It's better than Brighton. It's better than Burnley. It's better than Everton. It's better than Bournemouth. It's better than West Ham. It's better than Villa. It's better than Southampton. It's better than Norwich. And it's better than Watford. The only teams that have given up less than 18 goals are Sheffield United, Leicester City, and Liverpool. That's it. So, so you take away one gaffe, one awful performance by our team, which our team just didn't show up that game. And I think, I think even like saying it to Leicester, like, hey, let's just subtract this game. And Leicester would be like, yeah, we get it. But they'll still take the three points. But for statistical purposes, obviously that match is an outlier. Um, so right there, I'm, I'm looking at this, and we're tied with Crystal Palace for the third best goal difference in the Premier League. So now, now let's break down some other factors. So I'm looking at Liverpool, Leicester City, and Sheffield. So Liverpool have 40 goals. Leicester City have 39 goals. Newcastle has 17. <laughs> so huge difference there offensively. Now, um, part of sometimes, and this, this is a this is a common statement across most sports that a good defense is a good offense and that is the case I think with Leicester and Liverpool now there's don't get this wrong there's great defensive players in Liverpool and in Leicester um McGuire's probably having the season of his life and oh sorry not McGuire um I'm blanking on whoever's name is but I'll, I'll bring that up um Virgil van Dyke's killing it I mean he he was a balloon or finalists so like he's obviously doing well but there's there's good defenders there which is which everyone will agree with but in the rate that they're scoring that's making their defense better there's probably not a ton of teams that are going to get out and absolutely go like attack their defenses um that's just the fact of the situation right now so uh they're getting less tested and less opportunities are going against them the only other team, so there's actually, we'll, we'll loop Crystal Palace in because they have the same amount of goal difference. Um, so Crystal Palace, and then we have Sheffield. So Sheffield United has 19 goals to our, we have 17, they have 19. And then Crystal Palace has 14 to our 17. So that that's where, that's what I'm saying right now is probably the best defense. It's between us, it's between Crystal Palace, and it's between Newcastle and United. It's amazing. Crystal Palace has 22 points, and they've scored 14 goals. They've scored 14 goals in 16 matches. Their defense is good. Their defense is really, really good. Same with Sheffield. They've scored 19 goals in only 16 matches, um, and they have a plus goal difference. Like That's insane. Sheffield's defense is good. Um and then we're right there, too. We've scored 17 goals in 16 matches. It, so th those are the top three there. Now, if you take take those out and extrapolate a little bit more, now let's talk about goal scored. <laughs> and that's where we, we're absolutely the outlier. We are 
no one's even close in in backline scoring. So, yeah, I would I would say like comparatively. Now, if you comparatively in performance only, so I'm not comparing them player to player to Liverpool's or player to player to Man City or Leicester or Chelsea or any team. I'm I'm just doing performance on the pitch relative to what they're doing and the club. And I say relative to that, Newcastle's backline is performing as the best in the Premier League. And that's just an entire taking everything match top to bottom, beginning to start, everything that's done. Where I think our backline is the biggest threat in set pieces. I think our backline is the biggest goal scoring threat. And I think our backline is right there at the top with defensive effort as well. So, um, so based on that, I, I, I have to say, yeah, there's a really good case for us to stack up to the top of the Premier League. And the other thing that I want to mention, and, and this is really important, is what are what has isn't really tracked. Um, and that's like moving off the ball. And uh, Marcus, this is something, this is a great question, by the way. Something I mentioned earlier about Jetro. Some of the things that Jetro does off the ball is integral. And, and it's part of the reason why he, he scored and two bangers that he's gotten. So if you take the last one, his link-up play with Miguel Amaron and his runs to seeing him curve in and out, he understands leverage off the ball. And he's leveraging defense in a certain direction to open up space. That's what he does off the ball. It's brilliant work. So if you're ever like, this might be a perfect match to watch. If you're ever bored, just watch Jetro run off the ball. It's he he. It's impressive stuff. He creates space. And same with if we well when DeAndre was healthy, when Yedlin was healthy, he was doing that too. Um. Sometimes, you know, and DeAndre's always done this, and sometimes he gets a little ahead of himself and he relies so much on the pace that he's a little bit lackadaisical on the defensive side. What Mankio's done since stepping in is Mankio's more of the fullback's fullback, but he's not afraid to get up there. So Mankio is also starting to learn a little bit more about space. He There's still a lot of errors on that end. So that, but... It's, he's getting better. I've already noticed a difference with him. And now our center backs are like elite in this. So they're very good at, they have two center backs stay, and they're very disciplined. And then one center back is, is aggressive and always going for interceptions and taking it. And usually, recently, that's been Federico Fernandez because he's been an absolute ball hog. It's been awesome to see him. Uh, it was Cher before that, but I think Fetty's just in such good form. So uh, I, I think... Just having that, they, they're just so in sync. But each of, well, let's say Cher and Fetty, less of Dummett, but Dummett can still do this too, is they can take the ball. They can they can intercept the ball, steal possession, and then go on a run and and will the, will the team forward and get it out to St. Gucci Max, get it out to Almiron to make the play. Um, Federico did a great job of this. I think it was two matches ago. And I was like, yo, what is happening? Like this is these are defensive players that are contributing way more than than they should. Uh, there's definitely no team that I've ever seen that is performing the way Newcastle has their back line. So yeah, I'm, to reiterate my answer, I I think they're comparing at the top of the Premier League right now, and I don't think many people that have watched Newcastle would disagree either. Um, there's that one outlier, but take that away and and you'll see the true numbers. Um, make a name for themselves. I, th- I think it's just beyond 
incredible what they've been able to do. So um, that's it. So, ladies and gents, that's all I have. Elijah obviously has nothing. So that's going to be it for me. <laughs> so that concludes episode 102 of CHN Radio. I am your host, Greg Troxell. You can follow me at NUFC underscore Greg. And this is the best damn song in the land. Coming home, Newcastle. Away the lads. Let's get three points. See you later. The dark at St. James's Park, if the Gallagher's end in the rain, I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be a Geordie, and to live in Geordie land. Some people think we're bawdy, and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self-pity, and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I've walked the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound. In me mother saying, Hey, how we? I'm coming home. The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park, if the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the river tide I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away Kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing hitty how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the darkest in James's pocket, the Gallagher's end in the